Hey, everybody. I'm so glad you're joining us today, and I love that song that Caleb just sang for us, The Struggle. That's a Caleb Vandenberg original. It, come, it comes right out of his heart, uh, out of what God has done in his life when he's walked through the struggle in his own life. And boy, that happens, you know. If you're like Caleb and like me, and I'm sure this is true, there are times that you hope something happens and it doesn't. There's times you get set up for what you think is going to play out, and it doesn't play out like that. Your day doesn't go as it was planned. Your car breaks down when you weren't expecting it to. The doctor's report is not what you thought. You're deeply hurt by that person you trusted. The prayer you prayed has not yet been answered, and a virus cripples a culture, and all of our plans are changed in a moment. When that happens, there's something that just starts inside. There's this moment where something feels like it just wakes up inside. This moment where there's some angst, and all of a sudden, you just want to say something because you know that what's happening is not what you had planned to have happen. What's going on is not what you thought was going to go on. And there's this feeling of this is not right. When that happens, you want to complain. You want to say something about it. You want to express it. You want to express your feelings. You want to let it out. And that complaint seems even greater when it's an injustice that's happened. And you can't do anything about it. I know that feeling. You know that feeling. We've had those moments before. It happened for me in high school when the guy sitting across from me at lunch pulled a whole plate full of french fries with cheese and ketchup all over himself and the floor and he gets up and leaves and the teachers blame me and I'm going to get in trouble for it. When that happened, I had a complaint. This is some injustice going on here. It happened when a vacuum cleaner salesman showed up at our house and began to show us how great his product was and he did it right on our couches. And when he finished, it shredded the couches and he said, that wasn't me. When that happened, I had a complaint. I had to say something. Something was welling up in me. This is not right. It happened when our car got broken into and things were stolen out of it when we were trying to have a nice restaurant meal somewhere. It happened when our house was vandalized, our dog brutally killed, tires slashed, our own safety threatened. In that moment, I had a complaint. Something's not right here. This is not the way it's supposed to be. In times of my own life and ministry, when I've been accused of some things and uh, falsely accused of some things, I had some complaint inside. This is not right. This is not the way it should be. And you might think that walking with Jesus makes that stuff go away, but it doesn't guarantee that it won't happen to you. In fact, it only promises that it will. Jesus never promised that we wouldn't face injustice. In fact, he said we would. We would be persecuted. We would be rejected. We would go through pain. We would be slapped on one cheek and asked to return not a slap to their cheek. We would have things taken from us. We would be falsely accused. We would be mistreated, and our response would not be one of revenge. In this life, there will be injustice that happens, and in this life, you're going to feel the angst of complaint. You're going to feel it, and you need to express it. The Bible doesn't deny the fact that it's going to happen, and the Bible doesn't deny the fact that we need to do something about it. Today, we're going to see from a character in Scripture what happened when he faced some legitimate complaint. We're following David. 
that we began with last week. We read the story last week in 1 Samuel 22 how David had been anointed to be the next king, but the king currently seated did not want to give up his rule. The king currently seated became very jealous and angry of David, and that king began to hunt David. And so David had to flee. David had to run for his life, and David had to hide in a cave so that he wouldn't be killed. The boy, the man who would be king, is hiding in a cave. The one who should be reigning is having to run for his life, and he's inside a rock cave instead of in a kingdom palace palace reigning. He should have been reigning, but he was running. And while he's in the cave, God begins to teach him some lessons. We know that because David does something important while he's in the cave. David is filled with this angst. David is filled with some complaint about what's happening in his life. About why am I not seeing the results of what God promised? Why am I not seeing what I thought was going to happen? Why am I having to shelter in place in a cave? And David sits down and he puts a pen to his pain. David writes in the moment and we have what he wrote. He put it down in poetic form and it's recorded in the book of Psalms. Psalm 142 is given the subscription that it was written in a cave by David. It was what was in his heart at that time, a contemplation, uh, a thought, a meditation. It's all that he was feeling in this moment. It's all the complaint that he's got in his heart, and David sits down and records it. And he's feeling all the injustice that's happening to him. He's feeling all of the need to have to complain, and he does it. Psalm 142. We've got some truths here that will help us today in a message called, I've Got a Complaint. I've Got a Complaint. Verse 1 and 2 tells us that David had a place for his complaint. Verse 1 and 2 says, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication, my request. Verse 2, I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. I don't know if David got off into the back of the cave where maybe no one saw him. I'm sure there were some others there who were with him, but not many. And David pulls away to the back, and he's got this moment where he meets with God. He's got this moment where he pours out his complaint. He's got a physical place that he goes to, but he's got a place in God that he goes to. And this is what you do with your complaint. You take it to God. Boy, it's so tempting to take it to a lot of other places, though. There's sometimes I, I think, well, I don't know if God really wants to hear me complain. I don't know if he wants to hear about the injustice that I'm feeling. I don't know if he wants to know all about my situation, hear what I have to say about it. Of course he does. He's the one who made you. 
He's the one who designed your situation. Of course he wants to hear from you. Or sometimes we might think, you know what? I just need to separate this moment from my faith. I can't figure out where God fits in it, so I'm going to keep it separate. I'll keep it in my personal life, separate from my God life. And God says, no, no, no. All of you is for all of me because all of me is for all of you. Don't separate out your complaint from me. Don't be afraid of bringing to me what's going on in your life because I know it already. I need you to bring it to me. Sometimes we might think, well, I just need to somehow cover over this complaint. I need to get to something that'll make me feel better. Maybe if I just have that one more plate of nachos at about 11 p.m., maybe that'll help me feel better. Maybe if I can just sleep this thing off, maybe if I can medicate this thing, maybe if I can make it all go away in that way. And God says, no, you don't have to do any of those things either. Sometimes we like to keep our complaint deep inside. We think, you know what, I don't want to talk to anybody about it. I don't want to talk to God about it. I'm just going to bury it. And I'm going to talk to myself about it. And I'm going to hold it all down deep inside. The only problem is that when you, when you let a little poison stay down inside you, it has the impact of poisoning a whole lot more of you. So keeping it all inside, not talking about it, not expressing it, is not the answer either. Sometimes we think, well, I just need to get out and tell a bunch of people about it. I just need to spew my poison on others for just a little bit. If I can have some, some angry moments, if I could just have an outburst or two about it, if I can go gossip to some people about it, if I can go tell somebody else what they've done, what someone else has done to me, if I can go tell a bunch of people about what's happened to me, maybe I'll feel better about myself. Or maybe I'm just going to go online and I'm just going to post all my complaints. I'm just going to write them all out in all my anger and all my frustration and hit sin. And boy, that'll show. And boy, I'll feel better about myself. Sadly, none of those approaches leave any of us feeling any better about our situation. They only complicate the complaint. They only make the root go deeper. The plant spread wider. And we find ourselves in a place of deep and even greater pain. David felt all of the injustice. David felt the pain. And he says in this verse 1 and 2, he says, I, I poured out my complaint. I, I, I had to say it all. I had to cry out to the Lord with my voice. It's fascinating to me that David put a pen to it, but as he describes with this pen, he says, I had to say it. There's something about saying it that releases it from within. And God says, when you're going to talk about it, come to me and talk about it. This is what David did. He said, I cried out to the Lord. This is the place you go. You come to me, God says, and, and let it be a release for you. Just go at it and tell me. Tell me everything that you're thinking inside. Tell me everything that you're feeling in there. Tell me everything that, that's boiling up in you. I want to hear the injustice. Don't go broadcast everywhere else. Come to me and tell me the injustice that you're feeling. David cried out to the Lord. He said, I made my supplication. 
I made my requests. In other words, David had something he wanted to see out of this situation. He should have been reigning on his throne. He shouldn't have to be hounded by wicked King Saul. And he's making his request. He's letting it all be known to God. God can bear it. He can take your request, whatever it is, whatever's going on right now where you feel like there's an injustice happening, whatever's going on where you feel like you're not getting the answer you thought, he can bear that. He's God. You can take your request and complaint to him. David said, I, I poured it out. I poured it all out. He didn't just suggest a few words. He didn't try to play nice. He didn't try to be even correct. He just poured it all out, he says, before God. I poured out my complaint before him. This is what brings us to the place where change begins to happen. When the complaint stops being bottled up, stops being blamed, and all of a sudden is broadcast right to the heart of God. This is what God wanted all along when it happened. You see, God's not a stranger to the events in your life. He knows them. He knows what's happening. They're not random to him. They didn't catch him off guard. He doesn't need a news update about it. But what he does need is your heart free from it. He wants to be the one to deal with the complaint. If he arranged a moment in your life where you felt injustice and pain, he has designed it in such a way so that you can know his glory and his greatness even in it. It's out of your cave moments that the greatest transformation will happen in your life if you'll take it to him. He is the place for your complaint. David said, I declared before him my trouble. I told it all to him. That brings us to verses 3 and 4 where we see that David really had a purpose for his complaint. He was really just in what he was complaining about. And here David is just brutally honest about it. Look at verse 3. He said, When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, when I was just desperate, when I was covered over, when I was drowning, when at the core of my being, I felt so rejected, I felt so taken advantage of, I felt so incapable, I felt so lost, I felt so hurt. He said, in that moment, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, he says, then you knew my path. You knew. God, you knew. You saw it. I'm not telling you something, God, you didn't know. You knew. It goes on and says, in the way in which I walk, they have secretly set a snare for me. 
These were the people that he knew in the palace with Saul. These are the ones that he knew by name. These are the ones he had spent time with. People that he once trusted are now pursuing him. They're after him. They're trying to take his life. And they're setting up traps for him. He's struggling. David is hurt. And he's pouring it all out before God. This is painful. Incredibly painful to him. Verse 4, it says, Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. See, in the Old Testament and in the eastern part of the country, they viewed the right hand as the place of strength, the right hand as the place of honor. And at a king's right hand would have been his strength, his protector the one he could trust. And David said, look here at my right hand. There's no one here. I have no one. I don't have anyone to defend me. I don't have anyone to fight for me. I don't have anyone who acknowledges what God has told me and who I am. No one acknowledges that. He says, refuge has failed me and no one cares for my soul. David is just brutally honest and brings it all right before God in a way that some of us might have been terribly uncomfortable with if we had been there with him. But this is the kind of thing that you can do right in the very presence of God. Don't broadcast your pain somewhere else. Bring it right on up into the place where God himself and you meet. David had a purpose. He was alone in this. He said, no one acknowledges me. No one is my refuge for me. In other words, I'm in this. This hurts. And I don't even have anybody who understands me, who understands what I'm going through who can look at me when I tell them about it and say, dude, I know what you're talking about. That's terrible. David said, I don't have anyone like that. And this hurts. I've been through some times in my life where I've struggled with anxiety and loss. I've struggled with being hurt, taken advantage of. I've struggled with grief. And in the moments when I thought I didn't have anybody who could hurt with me, understand me, it made whatever the pain was that much greater. It just took it to an exponential level. It hurt so incredibly deeply. And this is what David is saying. I don't have anyone that's there for me. When everything was gone, when all the people that David had trusted had left him, when all of a sudden he's alone in the cave, when he brings his complaint to God, in this moment, something is about to happen. You see, this is where God changes us. And this is part of what God was doing 
by David having this shelter-in-place moment, he was going to completely transform and teach David some things he had never known before. David's carrying all the weight of this grief and anxiety. And this one statement that he makes in the midst of this psalm sticks for David. You knew. God, you, you knew. You knew what I was going to go through. You knew I would end up here. You knew the weight of this. You knew what I was going to experience. God, you knew. And instead of that being a complaint any longer, it became a great comfort for David. God, you knew. You knew this was going to happen. And all of a sudden, this rich poetry of complaint takes on a different tone. Verse 5 and 6 it says, I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. All of a sudden, David realized, I've got a person with me in my complaint. I'm really not alone in this deal. God is with me in this thing. He says, I cried out to you, O Lord. All of a sudden, David recognizes, wait a minute. I'm not here all by myself anymore. And here in this cave, surrounded up close, sheltered in, David had been thinking he was kind of at the end of his own life. All of a sudden, David started having a shift change in his heart. All of a sudden, the angst began to lessen because he saw that God was with him. David had said in verse 6, he said, Attend to my cry, for I'm brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they're stronger than I. David's wrestling in this moment. He says, I'm hunted like an animal. I'm outsourced. I'm out-resourced. I don't have what I need in this moment. But God, I have you. And boy, that can happen sometimes. You can get overwhelmed with your situation and forget who's with you in the midst of it. You can start looking at all the people that have left you and you forget that the person of Christ is with you there. And here David begins to make the shift. He's looking at the walls of this cave. He's looking at the darkness of it. He's looking at the fact he's secure in the cave in the moment. But then he makes this shift and he says, God, I get it. You, you are my refuge in this moment. I don't have the resources to fight against Saul. I don't have the numbers to fight against Saul. I'm outnumbered. I'm outpositioned. I'm outgunned. I don't have it, God. I don't know what to do. But God, I know that you are my refuge. And God, you are my portion 
You are what I need. You have everything at your disposal. You have everything in your hand. And if you put me in a cave, you have a purpose for me in the cave. And God, you are my strength. You are my shield. You are my hope. And David began to get it. And David began to be changed. And David all of a sudden saw something's going to come out of this cave. And something's going to come out big. And David saw God in the cave with him, and he began to be changed. You get down to verse 7, the final part of this psalm, and we see where David says, you know, now that I've got a person with me in it, he says, I've got a promise in my complaint. I've got a promise all of a sudden. David began to remember some things. In verse 7, he says, bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. David remembers some promises. He says, okay, God, I'm remembering some things all of a sudden. I'm remembering that you chose me. I'm remembering that I was anointed by Samuel. I'm remembering that day I threw a stone and hit a giant between the eyes and he fell. I'm remembering all those times when you gave me victory when I was caring for some sheep. I'm remembering all the words that you've spoken. I'm remembering your law. He all of a sudden remembered the promises. He went back to what he knew, and it began to change him. He says, God, you're going to deal bountifully with me. In other words, you're going to be good to me even though I'm in a cave. I can trust you because you're going to be good to me. You're going to pour out your goodness to me because I belong to you. And when David changed what he believed, it changed all of a sudden how he saw. And it's going to change how he's going to behave even inside the cave. David got some new perspective all of a sudden. David said, I belong to the God who's created all things. And that God is rich. And I'm his child. And he'll give me everything that I need in this situation. He's going to be bountiful. He's going to be blessing me. He's going to pour out what he has for what I need. I can trust him. And when he saw that, and he even said, and you're going to surround me with righteousness. Hmm. David said, I know what's going to happen now. You're going to bring those who also see your kingdom, those who also trust in you. You're going to bring them here to me in this cave. You're going to surround me with the righteous. You're going to surround me with your angels who are righteous. You're going to surround me with your presence that is righteous. And you're going to surround me with your promises that are righteous. They never fail. And so God... I got some promises all of a sudden. And when David got the promises, when he remembered that God is good, when he remembered that God is faithful, then all of a sudden he said, you, you can go ahead and bring me out of the prison now. I'm going to praise your name. I really am. I know some promises and I'm making some promises. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to, I'm going to let everybody know what you have done. You see, in that moment, David changed in the moment, in the cave, David was transformed. He developed from one thing that he had been into something that he hadn't. God was developing him from a man who had led some sheep into a king who was going to lead a nation. And when God begins to do something big, he'll bring his people into a time of closeness, of shelter, of a cave because it's in the dark 
It's in the isolation that the real kingdoms are born. And this one was starting inside David, inside a cave. For there was going to be a kingdom that would come afterwards. Now, you've probably been looking at this for a while wondering, what is that? You see, this is not something that's known really in our culture anymore. I, um, I took a photography class when I was in college. This is back before there was digital photography, when you could just shoot hundreds and hundreds of pictures, not just on a camera, but on your phone. We can do that today, and we can print whatever we want and keep them on the cloud for whenever we want. But back in the day, if you had a camera, you had to buy some film. And when you bought the film, you put it into the camera, you had a limited number of pictures you could take. And then if you were really bold and really interested in the art of photography, you had to learn the process of developing film. And I took a class at a college to learn photography, and they taught us how to develop film. So we would go out, we'd take our camera, and we'd go shoot a whole roll of film on a 35-millimeter camera. We would bring that little canister in back to the school into the dark room. I mean an absolutely dark room. There was the part of the dark room that had the little red light so you could see just a little bit, but the whole development process started in a room within that room that was completely black. There was no light. It was a tight little space that you walked into. And so you had to know what was going to be in that space before you walked into it so you could do what needed to be done in the dark. And what you would do is you would go in, you have a canister like this with you. And you would open the canister and inside the canister were a couple of reels like this. And so you would take that 35-millimeter camera film that you had taken and you would pull the film out and then you would begin the tedious process of securing it to the center of the reel and then beginning to wrap, wrap it around the reel so that it stayed in these lines so that it went around and around and around until it filled up the reel. And you had to make sure that the film, which would become the negative, did not touch another piece as it wrapped. Because if it did, it would ruin the negative. Now keep in mind, you're doing this in complete darkness. There's no light. You can't stop and say, hmm, did I get that right or not? You were doing it blind. And once you finished, you'd put it in the canister. If you had two, you'd put that in, in the dark. Then you would cover it. And then you could walk out of the dark space into the next layer of the dark room. And there we would put chemicals in this canister. And it would, it would be a bath that we would keep and shake, and it would sit for a timed limit, and then we would pour it out. There was another chemical process that was added to it. And there in the isolation, there in the darkness, there in the cave, the camera film would develop. It changed. It became something that enabled us then to go and make pictures. What was produced was the negative. The negative was put into another device, our light was shined through it, and you could actually then create a photograph. 
And it all happened inside the darkness, inside a limitation. This is where the film developed. When God wants to do a work in our lives, he will put us in some dark places. He'll put us in some places where we can't see what's going on. But that does not mean he doesn't know what's going on. Because in that moment, the change that needs to happen is not just a change outside. I'm sure David must have thought, if I could just get out of this cave, if I could just get out and get to my throne, then everything would be better. And God was saying to him, David, I've got something that I'm doing inside you. I'm changing you. I'm developing you in this moment. And I know exactly what I'm doing. I know how I've loaded the negative into your life so that you can be transformed into the king that you'll need to be. So David, don't waste your moment in the cave. And sure enough, David didn't. And he got to this place where he had this promise in his complaint. He realized, God is being good to me. Even though some things happened that I didn't want, I don't like, it's unjust, and it hurts. I don't like it, but God, I trust in the middle of my injustice, in your great justice. I'll hurt now for what I see, and I'll trust you even when I can't see. And this changes David. So today, when you're going through your moment of pain, when injustice has happened to you, and you want to cry out, you want to say something, you want to broadcast it, I'd say go right ahead. Walk right on up into the throne room of God and lay it all down. Leave it there. Pour it out. Let him hear it. Let him hear everything that you're feeling, that you're thinking. Leave it all there for him. But I also say this. In as much as you pour out to him, be ready for him to pour back into you. Open your heart, pour it all out, and keep it open for him to pour back in and say, look, I hear you. I'm here to hold you. I'm here with you. And now I'm going to change you. I'm going to take away your complaint, and I'm going to transform that in you. I'm going to create in you a passion, and I'm going to settle you with my love. Now, wait for me, because I'm going to bring a kingdom out of this cave. But I need you to be changed in this cave first. And when you get out of it, when God does bring you out of the cave, don't look back and say, wow, that was a crazy set of circumstances. Don't look back and say, ah, what a weird coincidence. Don't look around and say, well, man, we sure got out of that just in time. I'm glad we did what we did. No, when you get out of it, 
you say, God, you alone, you delivered me. You knew, and I'm going to praise your name. I'm going to worship you. Let your cave turn you into a worshiper. Let your cave turn you into a person of great, deep, intimate faith with God. Let your cave be what transforms you. Let your cave change you and change your complaint into a great place of worship and trust. Would you bow your heads with me? Our Father, today, we all know the pain of a cave, of a time in our life when things didn't happen like we thought, when there was injustice, when we weren't treated fairly, when it wasn't right what happened, and it, it made us upset, and we, we wanted to complain. God, I pray you'd forgive us for running everywhere else but to you with our complaint. So we come this morning pouring our heart out before you, knowing you're the one who knows. You knew, and you know, and you care. And God, in the midst of our cave, we also know you're going to be good to us. You're going to show yourself faithful. You will handle all injustice in your time and you will be good because your kingdom is greater than all things. So, Father, we trust you and we look forward to the day when we're out of our own cave, when we're done with this moment, when we're out of it, and when we do, you can count on the fact we're going to worship you. We're going to celebrate you. We're going to worship loudly. We're going to worship boldly. We're going to say that you're the one who delivered us. We're going to say that everyone needs to turn and worship you because you are the one who brings change in the cave. You are the one who brings kingdoms out of caves, and we'll trust you even in our cave. And we pray all of this in the strong mighty, powerful name of Jesus our Lord. Amen.